Um, today I just wanted to share a little bit from a story that's probably really familiar to loads of you. Um, it's Jesus Feeds the 5,000. So I'm going to read um, from the version of Matthew. It's chapter 14, starting at verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. I've lost my place. He gave thanks, thank you, and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children, so they were extra. So that's um, probably a well-known story to lots of you, and I just wanted to pick out a few things to make us think today. Um, the first bit of that passage I read said, when Jesus heard what had happened, and what that is referring to is Jesus just heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded by Herod. And he must have been absolutely devastated to hear that news. You know, John was the forerunner to Jesus, the one who had told people about Jesus coming, the one who was to follow him. He was the one who baptized Jesus in the river when God appeared and said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. He was, in fact, Jesus' cousin. And Jesus heard this news and he had to get away. He went away to a solitary, remote place. But yet people were still drawn to him, even though he's gone somewhere out of the way where he was probably hoping they wouldn't find him. They still find him. They leave their towns and because they've just seen that he changes lives and they want to be near him. And as I read that story, I was challenged even by that. You know, what lengths am I willing to go to to draw near to Jesus? They had to go out of their way. They had to leave their familiar places, their towns, to go and find him and spend time with him. And am I willing to do that? Am I willing to actively get up and go and seek the presence of Jesus? I don't know about you, but I actually find this time of year quite difficult. The kids are off school and the summer holidays feel really long. And I'm balancing trying to do some work and spending time with them. And it just feels like there's no easy structure to it. Um, I like to think that I'm quite a spontaneous person, just go with the flow. But by the time it gets to the end of August, I'm like, actually, I really like routine. So I'm looking forward to September now. And maybe it doesn't feel so much like that for some of you guys, you know, if you don't have any school connections. But even in church, summer is a little bit different. You know, people are away and there aren't as many groups, there aren't as many activities. So in September, whether you're a school person or not, it is a new season in church church as well. We're going to have more life groups. We're going to be starting the Alpha course. We're going to be starting the marriage course. So I'm thinking ahead now to what this new term is going to be like. And as I thought of these people traveling from their towns to meet with Jesus, 
I thought, I want this season to be a time where I'm going to seek after him in his presence. And I know that should always be what we're seeking to do and always be our heart's desire. But I just thought it's a good thing now to almost reset yourself. Think about the term, the season ahead. How do you want things to be? It's probably for many of us going to be go, 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 really busy. But in the midst of it all, I want to seek Jesus, listen to what he has to say, keep pursuing the things that are on his heart that he's whispering to me. I want to find rhythms that will draw me close to him, people that I can journey with, people that I can learn from, share my faith with, have fun with. And that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to life groups fully kicking off again, although there's been two in the summer. But that's one of the ways that I work best in drawing near to Jesus, doing it in community with other people. So I just really wanted to encourage you this morning as you think of the term ahead. How are we going to go out of our way to seek the presence of Jesus? And when we, when we do approach Jesus like those people did, what is it that we find? In the book of Mark, in this story, it says, When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And from that phrase, we clearly see the heart of Jesus. He was probably grieving. He was reeling from the news that he'd heard. But he healed their sick and he took time with them. And I wanted to ask you today, when you do approach Jesus, what is it you expect? You know, I was chatting to someone recently and she just found it so hard to grasp that God would look kindly on her, that he would know her past mistakes and he would forgive her even if she was sorry, even if she regretted things that had happened. It seemed like she was returning to a God of her childhood, which to her seemed to be an angry and punishing God. Our God is a just God, but he is compassionate. He longs for us to know us, know him and draw near to him. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And as we approach this new season, maybe some of us need to reformat our view of God. Zephaniah 3.17 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over, with you, over you with singing. How many of us know that today, that the compassionate God rejoices over us with singing? Just as we read, he had compassion on the crowd, he has compassion on us. So those people were there for quite a long time. It was getting late. They're tired. They're hungry, probably getting a bit grumpy, waiting for their dinner, wanting something to eat. And they'd come to hear Jesus. They probably didn't think, plan ahead, think I'm going to be there all day. But just being in his presence, it was as if time didn't exist. They could listen to him for hours and hours. So that created a problem. Verse 15 says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. 
it. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So the disciple realized there's a problem and their response was to think about it in a natural way, in a logical way. These people need food, go and send them to get some. But some problems require God's direct intervention. And sometimes our expectations of what God can do are too small. Providing food in the wilderness, that just seems like no way. How could that ever happen? That's impossible. But God had done it before. He'd used Moses, Elijah, and Elisha for feeding miracles. You know, surely Jesus' disciples should have been with their master long enough to know that something amazing could happen. The God of the Exodus, we sang about it earlier, he split the seas. He, he provided manna from heaven. He's at work in history again. So this morning I wanted to ask you, what are the problems in your life that require God's intervention? Are we trying to work it out in our own logical, natural way, in our own strength? But do we really need to call out to God to intervene, to believe that the same God who's acted throughout history and acted in our own lives can do that again? And we see here that God begins with what we have. In John's version of this story, it says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? So what they're working with here is basically a little boy's packed lunch. That's all the food they had for thousands of people. But we see time and time again, God takes what we have and when we bring it to him, he can multiply it. We see it in the Bible. We've spoken before of Moses. God said to him, what do you have in your hand? A staff, a simple staff, a shepherd's rod. And God used that to part the sea. The God who created the universe from nothing can take ordinary things in our lives and transform them. And maybe some of us need to do that today. Just hold out whatever's in our hand and make it available for God to use and multiply. I was chatting with some people recently and they were just sharing about how they love opening up their home. They love having people around the table and sharing food with them, sharing stories with them, sharing their lives with them. And no matter what season they've been in, they've carried on doing that. When they had young kids and things were a bit crazy, when times were difficult and they didn't have loads of money. Um, when they were going through hard times themselves for different reasons and different circumstances, they've always opened up their home and shared what they have with other people. No matter what's going on in our lives, we can take what we have in our hand and offer it up to God and he will multiply it. And verse 19 says, He directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. We see here, Jesus takes the food, he gives thanks, but he doesn't go around and give it out to everyone. He puts it back into the hands of the disciples. They are the ones who give it out to the people. He intervenes, he creates a supernatural solution to this big problem. But the disciples are the ones who give out the food to the thousands who were hungry. And God intervenes in situations, but he uses you and me. He uses us. He wants to use us to see amazing things happen. And today, God's not intimidated by the magnitude of our problem. The disciples saw the size of the need and the littleness of the human resources available. 
But Jesus saw the size of the need and the greatness of God's resources available. And often God calls us to do things that we just could not physically do on our own. He, call, he calls us to do tasks for him that are technically impossible unless he shows up, unless a miracle happens. Um, I read a thing during the week John Member said, we go, we step out, and he shows up. Um, I was thinking this morning when we were praying before church and this picture came into my head that actually came into my head last week and it, it was almost like a big massive football pitch if you imagine that and the centre circle and loads of us that were all just bunched up in the centre circle it was as if there was that line and we didn't know how to cross it or whether we should cross it. And it just felt like God saying, spread out, guys. There's a whole pitch here. There's a whole town. There's a whole community where you live, where you're at. There's a whole load of people who need to know me, who need to see what you have in your hand. You don't feel like it's much, but if you give it to me, I will use it and I will multiply it. Um, I loved reading this story in the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a fantastic Bible if you've got kids, but actually I just like reading it for myself as well. I was very excited in the office on Thursday with Jules when I realized it's also on YouTube with David Suchet reading it out. So if you do want to buy the book, you can just go on YouTube and listen to his dulcet tones. But um, I love the way he puts it. The Bible, every story points back to Jesus and every story whispers his name. And I just wanted to read a little tiny section of this story to finish off. What food do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. Now there was a little boy in the crowd. He had brought a lunch that his mother had made for him that morning. He looked at his five loaves and two fish. It wasn't much, not nearly enough for 5,000, but it was all he had. I have some, he said. Jesus' friends laughed when they saw his little lunch. That's not nearly enough, they said. But they were wrong. Jesus knew it didn't matter how much the little boy had. God would make it enough, more than enough. Jesus said, bring me what you have. And so the little boy gave Jesus his lunch. Jesus winked at the little boy and whispered in his ear, watch. How in the world will Jesus feed everyone with just that? Jesus' friend said, because they thought it was impossible. But Jesus knew the one who had made all the fish in the oceans. And Jesus knew the one in the very beginning had made everything out of nothing at all. How hard would it be for someone like that? Jesus winked at the little boy and whispered in his ear, watch. I think that's what some of us today need to do. We need to offer Jesus what we have. We need to bring him our lunch. And Jesus is ready to wink at us and whisper in our ear and say, watch. See what I'm going to do. And I believe in this next season at church, he would say that to all of us. If you'll just trust me with what you have, if you'll bring it to me, if you'll believe, I can intervene. He'll give thanks, he'll multiply it, and he'll give it back to us to distribute to others and see their lives change. Let's watch.